0: Hi, this is Jim Trella. In addition to being the host of this podcast, I'm also an employee of General Motors. The opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the host and any guests, and not the opinions of General Motors. Welcome to the Art of Grateful Leadership podcast. Today we're going to complete the conversation with Susan Parente. But before we get to the interview, I want to ask, do you realize that we're coming to the third anniversary of the founding of the Center for Grateful Leadership? On June 14, 2016, Judy Elmless founded the Center for Grateful Leadership. It can be found at www.gratefulleadership.com. Here's what it says right on the Center for Grateful Leadership's website. Collaborate globally with other grateful leaders and those who want to become such leaders to create a future filled with gratitude and appreciation. Tap into the power of personal commitment and dedication by acknowledging people in an authentic, heartfelt manner. Inspire your team and bring out the best in your people by dramatically increasing levels of engagement, productivity, and willingness to take initiative. I can't think of a better way to put it. Since its founding, the Center for Grateful Leadership has grown to almost 1,000 members. We have monthly webinars with guest speakers. We have several regular contributors, including the Gratitude Connection by Donald Officer, the Grateful Teen Weekly with Kendall, Kylie, and Blair Seaman, Get the Right Attitude with Gratitude by Harry Waldron, of course, the Art of Grateful Leadership podcast, where all of our previous episodes can be found, and much, much more. Come and join our growing membership, sharing our grateful leadership journey. And happy birthday, Judy Umless and the Center for Grateful Leadership. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. I always wanted to say that. As I mentioned, we're concluding our conversation with Susan Parente. If you don't know Susan, here's a little about her background. She's a project engineer, consultant, speaker, author, and mentor who leads large, complex IT software implementation projects and the establishment of enterprise PMOs. She has over 20 years of experience. Her credentials include numerous project management, agile, risk management, and IT security certifications, including PMP, PMI-RMP, PMI-ACP, CSM, CSPO, PSM-1, CISSP, Resilia, CRISC, and ITIL certifications, and she is a CMMI and ISO 9001 practitioner. Today we conclude our conversation with a discussion regarding Grateful Leadership on co-located
1: and virtual teams. As we talk about grateful leadership, one of the challenges in today's world is the virtual team's versus the co-located teams. It's so much easier when you're walking past somebody's desk to see what's on their desk and how they're doing or to sit with them and talk with them or to spend time understanding who they are. But in today's world, I know I personally have people that I could be working with anywhere throughout the United States. Matter of fact, I was talking to somebody down in Columbia today that's part of the team that I have to work with. So how how do you handle that type of a situation become and still handle grateful leadership and still create a high-performing team well it's a good
2: question so first of all um, I teach I teach some courses on on virtual project management um, I've actually recently for one of my clients developed a course on uh, virtual agile teams and I'm now in the midst like right now writing an article about virtual agile teams so this is another area that's just kind of coming at me where everybody's like Oh, agile is great. Can I do that virtually? Or project teams are great, but how do I do this virtually? Uh, We're, we're all, whether we like it or not being confronted with, we need to work virtually. Everybody to some degree needs to do it. And what I find, I compare virtual project management to traditional project management as this. So I, I, I'm a, I would say an advanced skier and I used to be a ski instructor and, If I ski on a, on sort of a blue uh, ski run, which is like an intermediate run, Mm -hmm. I can, I can ski a certain way. I can, I can have some flaws in my skiing, but I'll still be fine and I won't fall and I'll make it down the hill and everything's good. Well, if I take that same developmental level and take it to the expert slope, I will probably have some struggles. I'm not having them on the intermediate slope because I'm kind of able to compensate for it. So when the way I see it is a virtual team is like taking your your skills, your intermediate skills in a co-located environment and taking those onto the expert slope. That would be the virtual team. And if you have some flaws, they're going to show up. They may not show up in that, in that intermediate slope, but they'll show up on that expert slope. You throw a mogul in there, some ice, <laughs> something really steep. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, those things that I'm not doing that I get away with in a co-located environment, I can't get away with in a virtual environment. And th- and that's how it really occurs to me. There's a lot of co-located teams don't seem to have communication problems and you make them virtual. And all of a sudden they have communication problems. Well, it's because they're compensating because they see each other every day. They don't have to have formal communication. They don't have to think about having a daily team meeting. They don't have to do some of those things because they're just kind of taking advantage of the fact that they see each other, they're co-located. So they're communicating more ad hoc. Well, in a virtual environment, you need to create opportunities for ad hoc communication. And that's, that's probably one of the, biggest things that I think is important for virtual teams and the other is to know when to pick up the phone because after four emails obviously (laughs) you're not getting it you know so pick up the phone and I've I have done this myself and I've also been smart enough to realize I need to pick up the phone sometimes I'm smart enough to realize I need to pick up the phone but I don't have time to (laughs) so in which case I should be saying we need to talk. I can't talk now. And I actually just did that earlier today. Uh, there was an email go back and forth. And I said, okay, if, if this is what you're saying, we need to talk tomorrow morning. And I just, I cut it off at that. Cause I was like, we're not going to go back and forth over email we just need to talk and we'll talk for 10 minutes and we'll be fine. Um, yeah. And, and that's, um, that's about communication. And so, you know, how this shows up for grateful leadership is that I think grateful leadership is even more important in virtual teams than co-located teams because there's there's you know there's tone that we can use when we're talking to somebody, we see them in the morning and wave hi to them. And and people are getting this sort of positive vibe. But in virtual teams, you can feel like a like a, a man or woman on an island by yourself. And so that that person that you're working with, either as a as a team member or as your project manager or your leader of your team to to come to you and say, "Hey, I wanted to take an opportunity to acknowledge you for what you're doing." It's like, "Wait a second. You mean you picked up the phone to call me to acknowledge me, not to ask me for something?" Wow. Like cuz in a virtual team, oftentimes the only time you you talk to somebody is when they need something from you. <laughs> yep. You know, it's not, it's not like you're seeing them over coffee in the morning. They can say, hi, hey, how's it going? How's your family? Or, you know, how's your new house doing? Or whatever, that kind of thing. So you don't get the small talk chit chat. So that's why I think it's, it's even more important. And we'll, we'll say, I'll use the analogy of fertilizer. You know, this is spring and I've got a garden going on in my community. And, and it's, if I water my plants every day, you know, I, that's good. But if I don't give them any fertilizer, I might start looking at my neighbor's community garden saying, wait a second, their tomatoes are a lot bigger than mine. What's going on over here? Well, you know, water helps. Sunshine helps. But let's say Grateful Leadership is fertilizer. I- I'm not going to say that your team can't perform without Grateful Leadership, but think about how much better it could perform with Grateful Leadership. And and why would you not use that? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And the good thing about uh, and the good thing about uh, grateful leadership, and I'm actually going to in my next podcast that comes out, I remind people that the cost of grateful leadership is minimal. I mean, you don't have to go out and buy something or go and give something. It's mm-hmm. about recognizing a person and sitting there and talking to them. It's so important to have that interaction. You can do it virtually. You can do it you know, over the phone, you can do it via email, you can actually, you know, use the many different techniques that we have to do that. And that does become the fertilizer and it doesn't take that much more. It just takes the five C's beginning with consciousness, understanding and remembering what you're trying to do and what your goal is here and the people that are standing or sitting or are on the other end of the phone.
2: I, I absolutely agree. And so, you know, for me, the difference between Virtual and co-located teams in in using grateful leadership is that while it's valuable for both, it is it's it's value add is greater for the virtual team because the virtual team we could say is more more fragile, um, more complicated, um, more challenging, and so providing that grateful leadership there, you know having acknowledgement, the power of acknowledgement on a virtual team is going to be way more impactful because I think a lot of times in co-located teams, we, we somewhat accidentally are grateful, you know, it, it not like with intentionality, do we, do we give people an acknowledgement, but we, we unintentionally acknowledge them, which is wonderful. I mean, we want to unintentionally acknowledge people, but I think in a virtual environment, you're you're pushed to do that intentionally and that's why i think it's it's more vital to emphasize there because without it something's missing
1: and something that can so easily be corrected
2: absolutely <laughs> absolutely
1: i'm going to give you one more chance to mm-hmm. sit and say if you could give anything to the grateful leadership the art of grateful leadership podcast audience What would you tell them about grateful leadership and high-performance teams?
2: If you want to have a high-performing team, be a grateful leader. And if you don't think you're leading your team, if you're a team member, you are a team leader. Everyone on the team is a team leader. And being a grateful leader is infectious. It's, It's viral. When, when you're grateful with your team members, your team members will be grateful with each other. And a grateful team is a high-performing team.
0: Susan mentions that grateful leadership is important in both co-located and virtual teams. But her emphasis on the need for acknowledgement to make virtual teams work is very insightful. Where you can be more spontaneous with co-located teams, acknowledgement has to be intentional in virtual teams. It cannot be taken for granted because of the less frequent interactions with the team members. That is a concept that we should all reflect on. Remember to visit the Center for Grateful Leadership's website, join, then wish the organization a happy birthday on the Communications Board. I'm Jim Trella, and you've been listening to the Art of Grateful Leadership podcast. Remember to acknowledge someone each and every day.